A bookie, a stand-up comedian and a reindeer herder walk into a podcast. What am I on about? Well, in the words of Right Said Fred, Kanifa here. And so is the Totally Football Show to keep you up to date with everything that's happened since the Paddy Power World Football Cup touchdown in London Town and the bits just outside it. From the magical Cascadia, the mystical Abkhazia and the madcap Matabelliland, we've got it all here on the Totally Football Show. I am joined in the studio today by an array of wonderful people. First of all, Lee Price from Paddy Power. Hi, Ian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And then we have Per Anders Bland, the Kanifa president, a former referee and a current reindeer herder. I have many questions. I'm going to save them. (laughs) I have many reindeer-related questions. Hello. Hello. Pleasure to be here. It's wonderful to have you. You are from the uh, Sapmi region of northern Scandinavia, where the Sami people live. That's correct. I have many questions of this also. Mm. We couldn't get Paul Watson, who was on our last show, but we did get the next best thing. It's his brother, internationally renowned stand up comedian Mark Watson. Yeah, much easier intro than talking about reindeer herding and stuff well, like that. Well, I, I may have questions. My career is easier too. to sum up in a sentence. <laughs> You've been at games, haven't you? Yeah, it is true that my uh, I'm the brother of Paul who's uh, sort of pulled this together. So I was, I was at Brower against Ellen Vanian yesterday. Nice. Uh, that's and Isle of Man, isn't it? Ellen the Isle of Man by uh, another name, yeah. And uh, well, both of them could have gone through, but it depended on the, the other game, which was Cascadia's game, so, which uh, Paul was at. So we were texting. But then normally when you're a game trying to follow what's happening, there's quite a lot of uh, international coverage. As it was, me and Paul were the only people keeping the two stadiums informed. So uh, <laughs> when Barara scored at my game, I texted Paul to let him know, and someone went to tell the Cascadia bench at his game that, that so that's real, real hands-on. You really feel involved. When it's that. good communication, though, because uh, famously Alan Ball didn't have that at Manchester City. If it had had you and Paul there, he might not have played for the draw that eventually got City relegated. I remember so. that, but of course they didn't have texting in those days. That's no. That mobile technology has changed the way managers approach the game, I think. <laughs> And as it turned out, it was really important because Cascadia scored two very late goals in the other game, which knocked out Ellen Van in our game. So really exciting stuff. But, I am yeah. getting obsessed with Cascadia, but more on that later. Lee, we've had the group stage. What's been the highlight so far? It's been a tournament of shocks so far. I think all the teams I talked up in the first episode are probably out of the tournament now. So <laughs> good knowledge by me, as always. The reigning world champions, Abkhazia, are out. Out? Out. Teams that I'd never seen play before and were newcomers to this tournament have gone through. The only team that have been consistent in the favourites is Padania, but otherwise been really interesting, really varied. Pair, the standard seems to have gone up this year. Yeah. Or people, I mean, people are really into this, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. And uh, if you look at previous tournament, uh, the teams that participated before, they have really, really stepped up this time. And I agree with Lee, it's a really surprising results out there. So, and, uh, and the teams are really, really fantastic. Mark, what was the atmosphere there like? A really good atmosphere. I didn't really know what to expect. I've been talking about the tournament for quite a while. Paul and I have been talking about things like Abkhazia to people for months now, but I still (laughs) didn't really know if anyone was going to show up. But it was a great atmosphere. I was at Harangay Borough. It was nice and full. Quite a lot of Borough fans. And obviously everyone took a side, one side or another, just instinctively. It was really great. I think I I talked to a lot of people who... I'd already been to multiple games and just having a, a really good time. And all these weird things like a whole bunch of Bristol Rovers fans, my uh, my rivals and stuff, no idea why they were probably just to get at me, actually. <laughs> and uh, lots of fans of different teams. People next to me had come down from Newcastle. It was a real mix of just hardcore football fans. It was a great day. Pet, what's your role in, in all of this? As You're the president of Kanifa. Yeah. Um, what does that involve? 
everything. <laughs> <laughs> Busy couple of days. Up. Yeah, definitely. No, but uh, if you look at my overall role, uh, is to try to lead the organization, expand the organization together with fantastic people from all over the world. But in this tournament, uh, I try to describe it like a puzzle. You need all the pieces to get it complete. Every piece is important. And I'm just a piece of a puzzle. So I'm not more important than anyone else. We all need to each other. So so I do everything. I, I sell tickets. I am a commentator, speaker at the games. I'm uh, pumping balls. You play for one of the teams? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, previously in the earlier tournament, I also was an assistant linesman. So I've been out on the pitch too. This year, there's been so much press, hasn't there? I've seen you in the New Yorker, on CNN, over at The Guardian. You must be really happy about yeah, that. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. But this area of sports, and specifically football, is really, really engaging the whole world. The first tournament in 2014, I organized that tournament by myself in three weeks with no resources available at all. But still, we reached out to more than 300 million people in 67 countries. So it's it's a huge, huge interest out there. And now when we have a collaborate with Paddy Power and work together with social media and things like that, it, it has been extreme. Is best ever. We had 150 journalists in Abkhazia 2016, and we thought now we hit the ceiling. But <laughs> this is nothing compared to to this year. Uh, Lee, uh, there's been some uh, wonderful scenes already. The Matabeleland fans, mm. uh, Matabeleland in general, have been very interesting for reasons we'll speak of in a moment. But their supporters have been incredible, haven't they? Yeah, people generally of Matabeleland are very infectious, instantly lovable. I was saying earlier, the opening ceremony came after the first round of fixtures and Matabelaland were, to put it frankly, absolutely pumped uh, and not in a good way. Uh, and they turned up to this opening ceremony, singing, dancing, clapping, laughing. They're just delighted to be here, given all they went through to get here. They're so infectious and they are everyone's second team. And Lee, they also have a, uh, a celebrity coach. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure whether to believe this as a PR person. This was a dream when I was told that Bruce Grobelart was going to be the goalkeeping coach from Atabellaland. But the manager then hastily added that he could only get hold of Bruce by Facebook Messenger. So I thought, all right, that doesn't seem legit. <laughs> uh, but somehow, day one, Bruce rocks up. And in fact, on game day three, which was Sunday, uh, there's an injury to the goalkeeper. <gasps> and who was starting warming up? Bruce Grobelart. Did he get on? He didn't, sadly. Oh. I was desperate for him to come I on. I got a text from Paul saying Grobola was on the verge of appearing <laughs> on the pitch. I thought I was having a dream. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I know he's in his 60s and everything, but he still looks so trim. He probably could have done a job, couldn't he? He probably would come dashing out of his box a bit less than he used to. Yeah. Uh, in, yeah. but <laughs> less, less headstands. You'd still fancy him to keep a clean sheet, I reckon. Bear, we were speaking a bit about Tibet on the show last yeah. week. It didn't go so well for them, though. no. But they are really, really enjoying their stay here. And, and uh, for them, it's important for, for them to, to be here at all. Because uh, if you have followed Tibet uh, from uh, past, they really struggled to play international games. Uh, I think they had the first international game in Denmark. For them to being here is a big, big uh, thing for them. Definitely. What's so great about, this, about the Kunifa tournament, it, it, you know, it is not all about winning it is for two or three teams it's basically a miracle that they're even here at all talking to Paul in the months and years that have gone into this there were a number of teams where he said 
he would talk about them then they say the only thing is I don't know if they'll be able to get here and so it is genuinely true that you just see the joy of these squads that they've made it to this tournament and that's that's what like, Kanifa represents these people gives them a platform to play that is also something that I experienced the first time when I entered this so-called non-FIFA world as a football referee in 2006. The first ever game I, I was refereeing, I was running around the pitch and uh, I really felt the atmosphere on the pitch that, wow, this is so much more than a football game for them. And we shouldn't forget that for, for all the identity, it is actually a competition and we're going to have new winners because Abkhazia, who I'm fairly sure, Lee, you said were favourites, <laughs> are out of the competition. What happened? So on that. <laughs> In my defence, they were the reigning world champions and for someone who's got very little knowledge, that would be your, your go-to favourites. Um, <laughs> I did tip up Padania, who are the only team of 100% record. They've won three out of three and they've looked very good. In terms of pricing up the rest of the tournament, my God, good luck traders because the bottom half of the draw is basically a big unknown. Right, I'll tell you who has had a good debut, and that's the green card. But as a referee, you would have loved one of these yeah, a definitely. few years ago, wouldn't you? Can you remind anyone who doesn't know what it is? A green card is uh, something between a yellow and a red card, basically used for bad behaviour, or if you're diving and things like that and try to, to cheat the referee. For me, as a referee, I, I really, really like that uh, introduction in this tournament. And... Uh, we have used it uh, now for a couple of games and it uh, seems to be very, very successful. Yeah, and we saw it in the very first game, didn't we? Uh, the eight-goal thriller between Padania and Tuvalu yeah. that ended 8-0 to Padania. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, it's a personal punishment uh, or a award, if you like to call it like that. But, but uh, because if uh, the team still have substitutions left, they can uh, replace the player. So he's sent off for the game but uh, they can replace them if they have substitutions left. Yeah, I oh, should say that happened. that wasn't actually the first game of the tournament. That was the first game where the green cards were shown. We also found out what happens if a team has actually run out of subs and they get a green card, in which case it's essentially a red card, so, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. And that's a good thing about the green card. Although we've talked about how this is a lovely, soft, uh, beautiful tournament, it is still football. There are still things like descent and diving and it still needs to be addressed and the green card addresses that yeah, There was some feisty stuff in the game mm. we saw, especially in the second half as uh, Alan Van started to get desperate. And also there, the good thing about having it in London is the fans did get stuck in as well. <laughs> people were getting, people were very supportive of the two teams but then <laughs> As the Isle of Man started to, Ellen Valin started to struggle. You know, quite a few people around me were getting on the backs of these toes. And also, the, even the linesmen and refs had put all this effort into it and everything was still, it was just good, I think. There's, there is still quite a bit of edge to the games. It is, as you say, it's fun, but it's not purely fun. If you could add a feature, Mark, to, uh, to improve football, like the green card, what, what would you go for? Well, actually, the green card partly takes the place of this, but I, I think there should be some sort of sin bin system, especially for dissent and things. I hate the kind of culture of kind of hounding refs and just dissent generally and I think yellow cards don't really scare players maybe a bit more in major tournaments because you, you get a ban or something but I feel like uh, players will just take a booking take a yellow you know without, which means that there's a lot of offences like diving or just uh, basically the, I think the worst area of football at top level is harassing refs and people just complaining the whole time and uh, compared with in other sports like rugby or something where pretty much everything the ref says is accepted so I think and I think a 10-minute sim bin or something would hurt players much more than a yellow card does because then you'd let your team down. So something like that. I don't know if a sim bin is the answer. Maybe a green card is the thing. But basically, I think harsher sanctions for um, 
Because I do think, and it's a sort of quite a parenty thing to say, but because I've got, I'm watching these games with a seven, eight year old, he's just eight. He's grown up in a world where Premier League games, he just expects to see people argue about every decision, and it is quite exhausting that. So, um, <laughs> and it's just not a good atmosphere to for kids to watch. So, I do think, I never thought I'd be one of these people who says a bad example to the kids, but I do think, <laughs> I just think, um, I think ill discipline and, and dissent and stuff should be punished more, basically. All right, well, it's time to go behind the scenes of a match, and we went along to Tamil Elam versus my favourites, Cascadia at Fisher FC on the banks of the Thames to see what their supporters and the local punters made of Kanifa so far. To be honest, I can't I can never remember any of the names of them or pronounce any of them. I was particularly impressed with Padania, I must admit. There was one, Tarulia or something, some Pacific nations, so I was going to support them. I know Bruce Grobola is registered for one. Matt Ma- 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 Yeah, I can't pronounce it. I know that one is from Sri Lanka and the other one is from North America. I think it's amazing. I think the turnout's really good. I didn't think expect it to be this busy. And you can bring your dogs. I suppose it's a nice way of getting football into London anyway, whether it's the actual World Cup or not. I know there's a few people who registered professionally when they were younger or currently. There's a lot of players here that could probably play a good standard in this country. It's just them finding the right sort of means to get into that level. They're playing for you know your Staines Townses. They can get scouted. Um, you know it's. Oh, penalty. Penalty. Sorry. Hey. They so got the ball there, but very unlucky for Tamil. Nice little penny, trying to keep it the wrong way. So one nil Cascadia. The Tamils have got the got the noisiest and the most enthusiastic I've come across in these games. But good luck to them. For Tamil Love, it gives us the chance to to show our voice. It's not always easy to talk on political terms, but perhaps football can make it easier, you know? And so it's, it's a serious matter for the team. Well, being Canadian, um, I'm supportive of my nation staying together. I think there's groups that have had real genuine struggles, so I wouldn't put Cascadia in, in one of those groups. Cascadia is a bioregion. It's about 60 million people. We are honoring the values of the natural resources there and diversity. So that goes beyond economics for us. What we're really excited about is this is the first international tournament that Cascadia has ever participated in. We've got a big following for major league association, the Seattle Sounders. And the Portland Timbers are are pretty popular as well. So football, as it's called here, is definitely getting a a lot more popular in in Seattle. For us to even be fielding a team at all is just exceptional. And it's kind of come together in the last couple of months. And so we're really excited about that. We did it. Now we can breathe for another day. Weed, coffee and Fraser Cascadia, a team that I picked purely because I really like the name. But I've been doing some reading. There is actually, because uh, this is sort of Oregon, a bit of Canada, all that northwest. Oh, Seattle. Yeah, and, which is an incredible place anyway. Mm. There is a Cascadian novel released in mm. 1975 called Ecotopia, mm. um, uh-huh. which details a journalist's travels through fictional Cascadia. 
So there you go. Not so fictional anymore. Well, yeah, quite. Apparently they don't like Donald Trump for some reason. Who knows? <laughs> Not my place to comment. Um, Mark, there's been quite a mixed crowd at this, hasn't it? It's nice. Uh, like men and women and children and apparently some people bringing their dogs. Um, uh, yeah, there was a dog at the game yesterday. Didn't get on the pitch, though, luckily. That's a shame. What have you made of London as a, as a host city? I do think it's a good place to do it because, for a start, we've got such a multinational community anyway and that's part of being London. But also... English football fans, as I said, will just w- will watch anything. There was a proper atmosphere yesterday. Of you know, I, again, I didn't know quite a few fans of Boari in particular. The Isle of Man, uh, Ellen Van, had some people there as well. But the majority of people were just football hungry people like me who think it's been a week since the playoffs finished. <laughs> Still a couple of weeks till the FIFA World Cup. I don't know what to do with myself here. But I do think Londoners have really embraced it. There's still games on. This competition isn't over yet, so uh, make so sure. Close to it as well. That's the other thing, of course. Like you're right, you can hear the players swearing at each other. Which, as I say, <laughs> as someone with an eight-year-old, is a bit of an issue, but it, it is. It does put you right down in the action. So as you heard, Cascadia got this six-nil win they needed to be sure of progressing. And after the game, we caught up with a couple of their better-known players to find out a little more about the team. I'm Tayshan Hayden Smith, and today I was playing left wing. So my family live in that part of America, so I've got. Yeah, I've got roots back there. I've been playing at Mersham last season, so usually around the Bostic Prem kind of level. James Riley from the States played 11 years pro overall in Major League Soccer. I went to nine cup finals and won six, so I played with some fantastic players from Clint Dempsey to Landon Donovan, Robbie Keane, Casey Keller. I had a few conversations with the Cascadian president, the head coach, and Ultimately, it was a project that I was more than you know willing to, to be a part of. It's a liberal community. It's an intelligent community. It's an eco-friendly community. And it's a community that love it, loves its football. If you caught us off, off the pitch, I think it's reflective on how we play on the pitch because we've really gelled uh, really well and you know we all get on so well. The few training sessions that we've got, you know, we're all having fun and we're all collectively uh, trying to you know, push forwards together. We literally had one training session before our first competitive game. And so now we've only had two training sessions before our second and third competitive game. So for me, the confidence will continue to grow. We want to win silverware. We want to, we want to progress. We want to um, continue to make Cascadia region proud and, and represent ourselves well. If you look at the favourites of the tournament, I think Isle of Man have been knocked out now and we've gone through. Um, I think we were ranked lowest in the whole of the tournament, I think partly because we were unseeded. We kind of had confidence in the fact that we would be, we'd push through the tournament as a whole. I think the level's quite high. There's a few people I know in the, in the Bostic Prem and the, um, Conference South, Conference Prem even, a few professional players that I've known in my past that are playing in this tournament. Going into halftime is when we found out we had to score at least six, and so that was the challenge to the group. I said, listen, we put ourselves in a position, the gaffer said the same thing, to score four goals, we're getting chances, and let's, you know, that's the challenge, that's the trigger that we needed to really accelerate play, and, and we were fortunate to do that. For me, I think anytime you can get into the knockout rounds, anything can happen. No one really knew about us before we came onto the to the tournament. We weren't we weren't a team. We were just put together. We link up really well, so I think that we've got uh, great chances of winning this tournament. Lee, have you been surprised by Cascadia? Because this is the uh, first time they played together, isn't it? I have. We went out there. I mentioned the last pod, and we wanted to meet the squad. And Paddy was furious that there were no players over there because they hadn't met each other at that point. And they lost 4-1 in the first match and bounced back by beating Barrowell, which is quite a statement. That's what you get with Cascadia. You get that attitude, <laughs> that never say die. That's why I'm and we all know. Yeah. <laughs> and they have some, some high-profile players you spoke to there, but they've also got this lad, Josh Doughty, who was signed for £2 million by Manchester United when he was a teenager. He moved over to the UK, went AWOL, went missing, left the club, and now is a little bit older, a bit more mature, and scored in each of their first matches. So I think... He's a real talent. He's unattached. I think he'll get snapped up. Ooh, 
Interesting. If you're playing football manager, you'd be right on to him. <laughs> Get him on the database straight away, yeah. yeah. What have you heard? <laughs> obviously, uh, some people will want to make comparisons between Kanifa and any other large football organisations that may or may not exist. Uh, one thing you said uh, about the way Kanifa's organised was, we want the board to serve the members, not vice versa. That is something that we worked on and stated very clear from the early beginning of Kanifa's starting point of this journey. That is something that I always have to remind everyone too, uh, because uh, sometimes there are some personal interests coming in, but uh, I al- always try to keep uh, focus that we are here to serve our members. And it's extremely important that we have that mentality and attitude because uh, it's a symbiosis. We, we can't live without the members and the members are depending on us. But we, the global board uh, and the people that are doing the daily operationals is, is uh, just serving the members' interest. And with all of this unprecedented media interest, you're probably going to get quite a lot of new applications, aren't you? We have new applications every month. We have a board meeting every month. And uh, in the early beginning, we chased members. But now we we have stopped chasing members (laughs) because it's coming in so much... uh, Yeah, it's interesting. More on that, me and Caroline Barker have got a plan, but we'll tell you about that later. What is next for Kanifa? Well, next is to try to... uh, expand our continents actually because we have we have a, a really big and solid and stable platform in Europe the global scene is already covered but we, we need to be more operational and create action and activities in each separate continent that is more important than expanding this world football cup and to build on the interest where can people get involved where can they find out more more about you of course we have a lot of presence on social media we have our own facebook page we have people coming in every day asking well you're great you're fantastic i want to be a part of this how can i join how can i help you which is a huge huge honor we are blessed in that part and now during this tournament we have if you look at the referees, they're coming from all over the world, Canada, Japan, Africa. They pay their own flight tickets. They don't get paid for the games. They are here to, to be a part of something really, really big. And Lee, Paddy Power and Kanifa have promised to fix football, but not like that. <laughs> Do you think they've pulled it off? I think what Kanifa have done is sensational. I think we've got a, a down-to-earth football tournament that's affordable, accessible and champions the underdog. Just as Kanifa promised us. It was there's a few wobbly points along the way. We weren't sure it was going to happen even a week ago, but it's been phenomenal. Well, Caroline Barker and myself, we were, we're going to start putting together an Essex application because I think it's important that Essex has this chance to stand up on its own two feet. I've put together an Essex 11. Okay, you're welcome. All but certain we'll be in the next tournament. In goal, the tallest man of them all, it's Richard Osman. We need speedy fullbacks as well, so we're going to go over pairing of Sally Gunnell and Dominic Litterwood. Then there's a centre-back duo you wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of. That's Ross Kemp and Russell Brand. I'm going for a three in midfield, Dame Maggie Smith. She's captain, she can command anyone. Sandy Shaw, of course, proven success in Europe, though she will have to wear boots. And we need Jamie Oliver to beef it all out a bit. I am all about attractive football, so there's no question my strike force is the suave Dermot O'Leary, the seductive David Gandhi, and the sensation. Or Ollie Murs. Plus, he can actually play a bit. Ream. Is that how you say it, Abby? Thank you so much, Pear. Before you go, I need to ask you about reindeer herding. <laughs> okay. um, how do you do it? Do you have dogs, or is it very much a manual thing? If you look from a historical perspective, it's a manual thing. But today it's more modernised. 
the herding is done by helicopters, uh, snowmobiles, motorcycles. How many reindeers in a herd? It can be 10,000. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow, we could do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> Mark, are you getting back out to uh, any more games before it's <laughs> so all going to ask me how I heard reindeer <laughs> with a helicopter. Um, I'm going to be at the quarterfinals at Sutton, which have uh, happened by the time you listen to this, but also try to get to Cushalton for the uh, semi-finals on Thursday. I'm away for the final, unfortunately. Yeah, I'll at least be at most of the action this weekend. As you said, you know, not only has it been a great atmosphere, but the teams that are left are pretty handy, so I, I think there'll be some really good clashes this week. Lee, let's make you a hostage to fortune. Oh, no. If if I was backing a winner right now, Cascadia, who would I back? You would back Padania, right. uh, although they are the tournament favourites of the shortest odds. If you want some value, Carpatalia, I think that's how you say it, have come from nowhere, from a very tough group, and have a favourable draw, I think, although they are playing your Cascadia first. Yeah, there you um, go, through. I think they're dark horses. All right, that's it from our Kanifa doubleheader special. Now, get yourself out to a non-league ground and support all things football, because at the end of the day, that's all we're here to do. Enjoy the good times, the nearly unbelievable stories and the outrageous kits that tournament football provides. Until next time, when it's time for Kanifa's big brother to take centre stage in Russia, we'll see you soon.